Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. I'm catching on the hosel, right? Yeah, right, right. Moving my head. Yeah. Clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My sling feels like an unfolding lawn chair. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess. Four, please. Darren Pritchett is now broadcasting. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And a pleasant good afternoon amidst the raindrops in downtown South Bend. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Our broadcast is also currently available at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. The app is great to use while in your car. You can get the app. By going to the iTunes or Google Play stores, just search WSBT Radio. Once you have the free app, you can listen to our programming live, podcasts available whenever you would like them. Eight minutes after 5 o'clock on this Wednesday, June the 8th of 2022. It is 61 degrees in downtown South Bend. Looking out the windows, pretty dark right now. Looks like we've got heavy rains falling right now in downtown South Bend. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is the story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. And by Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance. Please mention Sportsbeat to Tim, and you'll get a free gift with your free quote. Call Tim at 232-9981. Coming up on the program this evening, we will provide you the results of yesterday's Twitter question of the day. It's centered around C.J. Carr, the 2024 quarterback recruit who is expected to choose Notre Dame tomorrow when he makes his announcement on CBS Sports HQ. C.J. Carr is a four- or five-star recruit in the 2024 class, an elite quarterback in that class. So what does that mean for 2023 five-star quarterback Dante Moore, who is considering Notre Dame, and the Irish have pursued him? very hard throughout this process. Yesterday's question was, if Carr picks Notre Dame, does this change the urgency you have about the Irish getting Dante Moore? You have voted. We'll pass along the results in a little bit. And we've got a brand new question for you. And we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. want to spend a little time talking about the Colts getting Matt Ryan from the Atlanta Falcons and what that could mean for the Colts offense. And he's looking to avoid some unwanted history. I mean, it's just a dumb stat, but we'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. We've got our My 5 question of the day coming up at about 5.50. We're going to talk about disappointing teams in Major League Baseball. We've got a live interview with Tyler Horka coming up at 6.07. He is the Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated. You can read his work at Blue and Gold. We're going to talk some quarterbacks with Tyler tonight. We'll get his reaction to the news that C.J. Carr probably will pick Notre Dame tomorrow. Also, we'll talk about Clemson quarterback play. The Tigers have been near the top of the college football world the last decade. They had some offensive issues last year, not all on the quarterback, but quarterback play dropped off significantly with Trevor Lawrence moving on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're going to talk some Irish defense with Tyler, his expectations for defensive lineman Isaiah Foskey. And besides Foskey, who might be a couple of the leading candidates to put pressure on the opposing quarterback. Also, we'll talk some Notre Dame baseball and getting set for the Super Regional with Tyler. That conversation in an hour at 6.07. We'll wrap up the program with our sports wagering segment, we're going to Sizzler. Went 2-2 two and two 
last night. We'll try to do a little better tonight with our four suggestions. And we'll see if we have South Bend Cubs baseball tonight. They have one of the best drainage systems in the business at Four Winds Field. So even right now with it pouring, still there's a chance for baseball if the rain lets up. First pitch is set for 7.05 at Four Winds Field. We'll have the game for you here on WSBT Radio as the Cubs take on the first place team in their division, the Cedar Rapids Colonels, the affiliate of the Minnesota Twins. Pre-game expected to start at 6.45 tonight on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. So sit back, relax, if you're in your car right now, we've got some sports talk ready to go for you on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the free WSBT radio app. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. And my first pitch to you tonight centers around what the makeup of the NBC broadcast booth at Notre Dame Stadium might look and sound like this year. Now let's recall what we had last year on NBC. Mike Tirico, arguably the best play-by-play guy in the business when it comes to all the versatility. He can handle any sport and deliver an Emmy award-winning broadcast. And he was terrific calling Notre Dame football the last couple of years. A joy to have Mike on the call. But he had been signed by NBC a few years ago with a lot of things in mind. You saw him as the lead host for the Olympics. He's involved in everything, but one of the major pluses for NBC Sports when trying to acquire talent is their Sunday night football package. That NFL Sunday night game might be the biggest game of the weekend. It used to be Monday night football. I think that's not the case, although that could change a tad bit. With Joe Buck and Troy Aikman moving from Fox to ESPN's Monday Night Football this year. But it seems like Monday Night Football doesn't get the premier games that NBC gets with its Sunday Night Package. So this is a big deal to have that chair. And Mike Tirico is going to replace Al Michaels this year for that premier NFL game on NBC. Now, Al Michaels had been with NBC for a good number of years. But he has moved on to call NFL games on Amazon, that Thursday night package where he will team up with ESPN's Kirk Herbstreet. So with Michael's gone, Tariko slides into the Sunday night chair. Now, NBC has not announced Tariko will not call Notre Dame games this year. So let me make that perfectly understood. NBC has made no announcement about Tariko and his status with Notre Dame football on NBC. But based on how the broadcasting works in the NFL, I mean, he's going to be preparing for that Sunday night game, talking to players, coaches. It's hard to imagine he's going to fly from South Bend to wherever his Sunday night game is. Now, maybe they'll do that, but... I would be shocked if that's the case. So let's play the what-if game. So what if the expected Tariko is only going to do Sunday Night Football and Notre Dame Football and NBC has a vacancy? What are the possibilities? Let's also throw into the fact that Drew Brees, the former Purdue Boilermaker and New Orleans Saint quarterback, was a big part of NBC last year. He was the analyst for Notre Dame football on NBC and also a studio analyst for Sunday Night Football. But Drew Brees will not return to his duties on NBC. One year and done. Now, NBC has mentioned that Brees expressed wanting to spend more time with his family. 
So now we're looking at the possibility of a brand new broadcast team on NBC for Notre Dame football if Tariko is just NFL, which appears to be the case, and Breeze moving away from NBC. So who could be next? Well, if you believe the New York Post, things are going to change dramatically. I mean, you talk about having arguably the best play-by-play broadcaster doing Notre Dame football and a Super Bowl-winning quarterback as the analyst. That's some pretty big shoes to fill. And they might fill it with one individual who has not done a whole lot of play-by-play but has Notre Dame ties, and the other was a head coach and offensive coordinator in the National Football League the last few years. They have been working together on USFL games on NBC. I have not watched one minute of United States Football League action this year. I'm not anti-USFL. It's just not something that's overly appealing to me this time of the year. With baseball taking place, the Stanley Cup playoffs, NBA Finals, PGA Tour. What's left of the PGA Tour? It's just not something that's anything of interest at this particular time. But the New York Post has some details. They had a story stating that NBC is eyeing, as the analyst for Notre Dame football, Jason Garrett. He is the former Dallas Cowboys head coach and last year was the New York Giants offensive coordinator before being fired. He spent about a year and a half with the G-Men. Garrett could be the replacement for Drew Brees for game analysts on Notre Dame football and maybe he would help out on Football Night in America, that pregame studio show before the Sunday night game on NBC. Garrett is 56 years old. As I mentioned, he has been doing some work with NBC on their USFL coverage. Now, in those USFL games, Garrett has been paired with Jack Collinsworth. And the New York Post is reporting that Jack Collinsworth could be Garrett's partner on Fighting Irish Games, according to sources. Boy, when you think about some of the guys who have done play-by-play for Notre Dame football, and I'm going to leave out some, but Charlie Jones, Dan Hicks, Mike Tirico, these are guys with pretty good experience calling games. Collinsworth has not done a whole lot. A graduate of Notre Dame, he's been involved in the Sunday night package, being that at-the-game, on-field announcer kind of a host in the pregame show for what's happening at the stadium. Now, he worked a lot with Fighting Irish Media in the past. But Notre Dame is one of the premier packages for college football, and that's a pretty big leap to give a guy with limited experience the chance to do play-by-play. But again, Notre Dame very comfortable with Jack Collinsworth considering his ties to Fighting Irish Media and going to school here in South Bend. Nothing official yet, but it sounds like there's an outside chance it could be Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett as your broadcast team. If that is the case, I wonder if this will make a certain group of the Irish fan base happy because one complaint consistently that I've gotten that have been posted on social media message boards, the lack of a Notre Dame tie-in to Notre Dame football broadcasts. When you think back through the years, just a couple examples, Pat Hayden, I thought did a nice job calling Notre Dame football games on NBC, quarterback from USC. Mike Mayock, terrific when he was analyzing games. He played at Boston College. I think I speak fairly in saying that Doug Flutie was the one individual that the fan base 
more so than not rejected because he was a Boston College quarterback, and people just were not a fan of his analyzing of a game. Last year, you had Drew Brees, a Purdue guy, and had the chance to call the Notre Dame-Purdue game. So maybe Collinsworth, with being a Notre Dame alum, would that make a difference? Possibly. I don't feel like Jason Garrett is tied in enough with college football to really get people upset about it unless they just don't like the old Cowboys coach, plain and simple. The one guy who I thought did an amazing job, and I include Mike Mayock in this conversation, but I thought Tony Dungy was terrific a couple of years ago. Tariko and Dungy, they worked beautifully together. They worked off each other well. I think Tariko has a way of helping out. New guys in the analyst chair get comfortable. He has a way of weaving them into the conversation, and I thought Tony hit a home run. Tony was great. I don't know if there's any chance he returns. Doesn't sound like it. He's heavily involved with that Sunday night football package as well on NBC, but I just want to mention I thought Tony was great. The sign of a good analyst, you learn something, and I learned stuff with Tony Dungy. I learned stuff with Mike Mayock. Some of the others, not so much recently, but I really like those two. So it appears there'll be a new look and a new sound to Notre Dame football and NBC if Tariko is NFL only, which you would assume would be the case. Drew Brees is not returning to NBC. And the New York Post, they've got sources telling them there's a good chance it could be Jack Collinsworth And Jason Garrett as your new broadcast team on NBC. Nothing official as of yet, but just something to think about. I know a lot of people for years have been begging for Brady Quinn to have the opportunity to be the analyst on NBC. The former Irish quarterback nearly won the Heisman Trophy almost 20 years ago. First off, he's done games on Fox, and I think he does an excellent job. Well-versed, does his homework, explains things well. He would be great. But i got to be honest with you. If I'm Brady Quinn's agent, I'm keeping him where he is. He's a part of the Fox pregame show, which leads into their noon kickoff. You see him every once in a while in the broadcast booth. I think he's got a really good gig right now. He's also on Fox Sports Radio. Can you keep a Fox Sports Radio gig with NBC TV? You know, I honestly don't know. That's a great question. But I think Brady is in a really good spot with his radio TV combination right now on Fox. And if I was his agent, despite how good Brady would be, and we had Brady on for a year every week, few years ago and and he had mentioned he would love to have the chance to do it but I don't know if this is the right time he's got a really good situation with Fox so no doubt Brady Quinn would be a home run but I just don't think the timing's right considering what he has going on in his professional career right now maybe down the line their paths will cross and we'll see Brady Quinn analyze some Notre Dame games I know he would be great I know he'd love to do it but it just doesn't appear the timing is right for either side right now. So, based on the New York Post story, maybe Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett as your broadcast team. To be continued, 526 is our time. I'm Darren Pritchett. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 29 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sports Beat continues on WSBT Radio. We have our Sports Beat Twitter question of the day posted on my Twitter account at 960 Sports Beat. We have a question every day. Let's first recap what we put together for Tuesday's program. 
If 2024 quarterback recruit C.J. Carr picks Notre Dame on Thursday, as many expect, does this change the urgency you as an Irish fan have in getting 2023 five-star quarterback Dante Moore? The Irish have invested a lot of time and effort into persuading Moore to join the Irish football family. He's been here. He's talked to everyone. He has seen everything he needs to see, but has not pulled the trigger here or anywhere else. Sounds like now, according to Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, Dante Moore's decision may not come until the fall now. So C.J. Carr, an elite 2024 quarterback, if he joins the Irish tomorrow, does that change the way that you kind of feel about the need of Dante Moore in this Fighting Irish football program. Well, we put it to a vote. 67.3% of the people who voted said that Notre Dame still needs Dante Moore. 32.7% said car picking Notre Dame would lessen the need for Dante Moore. If I had a vote, first I would complain to the person who wrote the question, why isn't there a third choice? Because it's awfully difficult to choose between these two. You don't turn down great football players. Dante Moore, his high school tape shows, he could be a dominating collegiate quarterback. C.J. Carr does things a little differently in the pocket. He could have the same effect at the University of Notre Dame. I'll say this. Would I still want Dante Moore to pick Notre Dame? Yes. But I think Carr verbally committing, and that's a key, he hasn't signed on the dotted line, would change my thinking from the standpoint you could have a succession plan Hopefully, if all goes well, three years of Tyler Buckner starting or two years. If he starts two years and has great success, he's ready for the NFL. Hey, go get him. And that could lead to C.J. Carr, the 2024 quarterback recruit, possibly ready to take over at that time. So to me, I look at it this way. If Tyler Buckner was in his last year with the Irish, I would answer the question differently. I would say, still need Dante Moore. But based on the fact Buckner could start for two or three more years, you don't need as big a bridge. So... Carr could be the guy to take over when Buckner moves on to the National Football League. Again, I don't want to turn away Dante Moore, but it just changes the way I I look at the succession plan a tad bit. Sounds like it might be a while before we hear from Dante Moore, but we will hear from C.J. Carr tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, CBS Sports HQ. He'll make his college choice. On three sports tied into Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Card 98% likely to pick the Fighting Irish. He is the overwhelming, or Notre Dame is the overwhelming choice of the people that have followed CJ Carr's recruitment, including the person who covers the Wolverines for on three. He says Notre Dame is going to get CJ Carr, who is the grandson of former Michigan head coach Lloyd Carr. So again, 67.3% says, hey, we still need Dante Moore, 32.7%. They say, you know what? It lessens the need for Moore. Doesn't mean you don't want him, just lessens the need. Thank you so much for voting. Big turnout for that question. Not surprised. I figured that was going to be a popular question. All right, let's go with an NFL question today. We'll stay with a quarterback theme, NFL.com. Had a front-page story today on clutch players, clutch quarterbacks. Joe Montana's picture was up there. The former Fighting Irish quarterback who had the great run with the San Francisco 49ers and wrapped up 
his tenure in the NFL with the Kansas City Chiefs. Also, Eli Manning was on the list of individuals deciding whether he was clutch or not, which leads me to this question. The former Giant quarterback who went to Ole Miss, Eli Manning, in the NFL record books, he is ninth all-time in passing yards, 10th all-time in passing touchdowns, His completion percentage, not in the top 50 all-time, at 60.3%. As a regular season starter, 117 wins, 117 losses. But two Super Bowl appearances, two Super Bowl victories as an underdog beating Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. So with all that information, we ask you, Is Eli Manning a Pro Football Hall of Famer? Yes or no? You can vote right now on my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEAT. Again, Eli is ninth all-time in passing yards, 10th in passing touchdowns, not in the top 50 in completion percentage at 60.3, a 500 starter in the regular season, but two memorable Super Bowl wins over Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and the New England Patriots. There's going to be a lot of talk about Roethlisberger and Manning, Pro Football Hall of Famers or not. I think Ben gets in. I think Eli gets in too, but there's a little more argument with Eli Manning. We'd love for you to vote again at 960-SPORTSBEAT on Twitter. We'll pass along the results on tomorrow's program. 22 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Darren Pritchett with you. Sportsbeat being brought to you by Budweiser. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Pet Refuge, Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger, and Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance. Own a business? You're invited to a seminar we are having called Influencer Marketing on the Rocks. Come join us for happy hour. We've got food, drinks, and we'll be networking together and among other business owners and managers. We'll share some cool case studies about endorsement campaigns and chat about how you can use people like me to endorse your product or service. This event is happening June 14th from 4 to 6 p.m. at the Hilton Garden Inn in South Bend. You can sign up for our event right now at wsbtradio.com and click on Influencer Marketing on the rocks again this event june 14th from four until six at the hilton garden inn in south bend you're listening to budweiser's weekday sports beat from sports radio 960 wsbt Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on WSBT Radio, WSBTradio.com, and the free WSBT Radio app. Darren Pritchett with you on this rainy Wednesday evening, 16 minutes in front of 6 o'clock, 61 degrees in downtown South Bend. Well, the Indianapolis Colts heartbreak hotel to end the regular season last year, week 18, all they had to do was beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, the team that was going to have the number one pick in the NFL draft. If they beat the Jaguars, they were in the playoffs. If they lost, it opened the door for someone to steal their spot. And sure enough, the Colts laid an egg down in Jacksonville. They've lost seven in a row in Jacksonville. The Pittsburgh Steelers won in Week 18, and they stole that final spot. From the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are not standing pat after one year of Carson Wentz after they traded a first round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles for the former first round pick out of North Dakota State. The Colts said, Nope, not happening. Carson Wentz and Frank Reich, the head coach of the Colts, worked together in Philadelphia. Reich was the offensive coordinator when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, a year in which Carson Wentz got hurt. Nick Foles took over and led the Eagles to that amazing playoff run, ending with that wild win over the New England Patriots, the Philadelphia special play, the tight end throwing the touchdown pass, 
It was a terrific offensive football game, and Nick Foles outdueled Tom Brady. So with Carson Wentz gone, the Colts needed a quarterback. I think they made it pretty clear without saying it. They didn't see a quarterback in this draft that was going to help them right away. So they went out and made a move for a proven veteran quarterback and 36-year-old Matt Ryan. They got him from the Atlanta Falcons. Ryan was costing the Falcons a lot of money. They were not going to win with Matt Ryan coming down the stretch in his career. So they moved Ryan to Indianapolis, and they're going to start fresh with at least Marcus Mariota right off the bat, the former Oregon Duck quarterback and the number two pick of the Tennessee Titans way back when. So Matt Ryan still has a lot of good football left in him. 36 years old. He is a player that has played in 222 games in his NFL career, 65% completion percentage. We just had a question about Eli Manning a moment ago. His career percentage, 60%. Ryan at 65.5. Ryan has thrown for almost 60,000 yards, 367 touchdown passes, only 170 interceptions. If you did not watch the Falcons last year, and you just log on to, for example, football reference, you look up Matt Ryan, and you look at last year's numbers, and you're thinking, what exactly are the Colts getting? Now, he completed 67% of his passes, 3,968 yards. That's a pretty good total, but in today's game, it doesn't seem like a whole lot. The elite guys are well over 4,000. It was Ryan's lowest passing yardage total since 2010. Now, I got to be fair to Matt Ryan. The numbers may not have been as eye-popping last year, but keep in mind the offensive line was not great in front of him, and they had moved on from Julio Jones, his top wide receiver. Calvin Ridley then became his top receiver. Ridley then pulled himself off the field, dealing with some issues. Then there was a gambling revelation that he was suspended for. So Matt Ryan not only did not have Julio Jones, but his replacement as the number one receiver, Calvin Ridley, basically was not a factor last year. But 26 touchdown passes for Ryan last year. He always takes care of the football, 11 picks last year. The most interceptions that Matt Ryan has had in a season 17. That was all the way back in 2013. So Ryan has a chance to put the Colts over the top. The Titans look a little shakier right now as division champions in the AFC South. They still have Ryan Tannehill as their starting quarterback, which seems to be okay in the regular season, but he always becomes a popular topic Once the postseason is over, can you win a Super Bowl championship with Ryan Tannehill? A.J. Brown, the best player you could argue on the Titans roster outside of Derrick Henry, is now a Philadelphia Eagle. They traded the wide receiver after not being able to come together on a deal. So Ryan is ready to join the Colts and hoping to avoid some unwanted history. Ryan could become the first NFL quarterback to lose to 31 of the 32 teams. He has not lost to, of course, the team he played for for his entire career, the Atlanta Falcons. He also, so far in his NFL career, has never lost to the Las Vegas Raiders or the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, the Colts do not play the Falcons, so that's safe. Week two is the first time the Colts will play Jacksonville, and I highlight that game because it's at Jacksonville. And again, the Colts have lost seven straight games at Jacksonville. That seems like a typo. That seems like someone had a few too many orange drinks when they were going through the stats. How in the world can that team lose to that team seven times in that team's building? It's true, including that important game last year. That's got to stop, right? There's no way. There is no way the Jaguars beat them eight straight times. Can't happen. No way. That should be the stone-cold lock bet of week two. 
Whatever it is, the Colts have to win that particular game. I'm glad it's early in the season. Get that game out of the way. Focus on it. Get the job done. Then you don't have to worry about losing to Jacksonville on the road once again because they are going to beat them this time. They have to, right? And there is a chance Ryan and the Colts could add the Raiders to that list of teams that Ryan has lost to. They'll take on the Raiders in Week 10. Boy, they look a lot different with Derek Carr throwing to his old college teammate at Fresno State. Devontae Adams shipped from Green Bay to Vegas, baby, to change the look of that Raiders passing attack. The Colts are interesting. You look at the quarterback position. You got Matt Ryan. The backup is the guy we talked about a moment ago, Nick Foles, who was finally let out of the Chicago Bears jail. He was let go by the Bears, and the Colts brought him in. Again, has a tie with Frank Reich. Won a Super Bowl together in Philadelphia. You still have Sam Ellinger, probably as the guy you would call the emergency quarterback. And the signing of Nick Foles possibly forces Jack Cohn to not just battle for the backup job with Ellinger. Now, all of a sudden, he probably is fighting for a spot on the practice squad. Now, somebody else could sign him off that practice squad, but hopefully Cohn sticks. He's got a relationship with the Colts' offensive coaching staff from the All-Star game he played in, so they obviously liked him. But Foles, I would say, complicates things a little bit for Notre Dame's Jack Cohn. You got Michael Pittman Jr., and history shows Matt Ryan, the guy that becomes his number one target, has a big year. And it could be Michael Pittman Jr. this year for Indianapolis. Watch out for Alex Pierce. Big guy with good leaping ability, sneaky speed, the wide receiver out of Cincinnati. I think Pierce could jump in and be an immediate impact guy for Indianapolis. And honestly, I think they need him to be Paris Campbell, likely the third wide receiver for Matt Ryan. And what are you going to get out of the tight end position? That's a big question mark for me. Mo Alley-Cox, the former basketball player, could be a leading candidate to be the starter. You got Kyler Granson, SMU draft pick last year, 11 catches, 106. And then you brought in Jelani Woods, that big tight end from the University of Virginia. And Woods might take a little more time to get on the field, but an interesting prospect for Frank Reich to try to develop for this offense. You got Jonathan Taylor running back. You're in pretty good shape. They've got a pretty good running back room right now in Indianapolis, led by the former Wisconsin star. So Matt Ryan, new guy in Indianapolis, trying to put him over the hump and looking to avoid some unwanted history. Hopefully the Colts can beat the Raiders and the Jaguars to keep Ryan from losing to 31 of 32 teams. No one has ever done that in NFL history. Six minutes in front of 6 o'clock. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I can't believe I just scratched that car. Find my insurance card. Dude, what do you have in this glove box? Ew, are these socks dirty? Uh, forget about the socks. I need my insurance card. Just pull it up on the State Farm mobile app. But I can do that? Oh, hey, I can do that. Yep, it's called service. I can file a claim on here, too? Yeah, it's it's called service. Whoa, I could call my agent, too? It's called service. Call me, State Farm agent Tim Growl, 232-9981. <laughs> One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you. Today's question, who are the five Major League Baseball teams that have been the biggest disappointment so far this year? Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Well, it's hard to put this team on the list because they are now a game over 500. They're playing much better than they did in April. But the Atlanta Braves still are coming off a world championship and have a terrific roster despite the fact Freddie Freeman not re-signed by Atlanta. He's now an L.A. Dodger. Ronald Acuna Jr. missed the first part of the year. Coming back from an ACL injury, he's starting to round into form. 
But guys like Matt Olson, Ozzy Albies, they've been a little up and down offensively. So the Braves coming off a world championship, being a leading contender to do it again. Now just one game over 500 at 28 and 27. Four. This team, the Philadelphia Phillies, they went after offense in the offseason. I don't think they overly cared much about defense. Don't like that way of thinking. Defense, vitally important in the game of baseball. Catch the baseball, throw it accurately. Avoid your pitcher throwing pitches that they shouldn't have to, which cost them innings down the line, and your bullpen gets worn down. Trickle-down effect. The Phillies are 26-29. and 29. They've changed managers from Joe Girardi to Rob Thompson. They've actually played a little better with Girardi gone. But Castellanos, Schwarber brought into the offseason to join Hoskins and Harper and Segura. Hasn't worked out as of yet. Phillies are 26 and 29. Okay, okay. Uh, number three. I've got the Detroit Tigers. Again, they're playing a little better, and they've been banged up in their starting rotation, so I want to make that clear. That's very difficult to overcome. But the Tigers were kind of a trending team to finish close to 500. Spencer Torkelson made the opening day roster, the former number one overall pick of the Tigers. Good young pitching staff again. Injuries have hurt them, but I'm a little surprised the Tigers are this far under 522 and 33. I did not like the Baez signing. That was way too much money for Javier Baez. I know he dazzles in some ways, but he's not been the same player for a couple of years now. Number two. The Chicago White Sox, again, crawling back toward 526 and 27. They have not been at full strength. Lance Lynn, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert missed some time. But there's too much talent on this roster. Yon Moncada came back after missing the first month with an oblique. He has not hit as of yet. This team should be better. White Sox right now just 26 and 27. It's go time right now. We're closing in on 100 games left in the season, and the White Sox have some work to do. Number one. Maybe it's because I picked them to win the American League West. Maybe I overhyped them. But the Seattle Mariners are number one on my list for the biggest disappointments in Major League Baseball. Jared Kelsnick, one of their top young prospects, continues to struggle at the Major League level. He's back at AAA. That doesn't help. They've had some key injuries. They've actually had some young pitching step up. But, boy, it's just not clicked so far. I'm stunned with this one. The Mariners... With all the players they added during the offseason, including Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winkler from the Reds, the Mariners are 25-31. and 31. That's the My 5 for today. 6.02 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We're talking Notre Dame football and Irish baseball with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horka coming up in just a moment. Celebrating 100 years of serving Michiana. This is 9.60 a.m. WSBT, South Bend. Six o'clock hour of Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We kick off this hour by talking Notre Dame football and Notre Dame baseball with Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated. He is their Notre Dame football beat reporter. You can check out his work at blueandgold.com. Well, it's going to be... An interesting day tomorrow because tomorrow we expected to hear from C.J. Carr, the class of 2024, five-star quarterback from Saline, Michigan, the grandson of former Michigan head coach Lloyd Carr. And he is expected to pick the University of Notre Dame. Carr was just at Irish Invasion at Notre Dame over the weekend. This story has moved rapidly and C.J. Carr might be fighting Irish in about 25 hours. And we bring in Tyler into this conversation. Tyler, I know you're not a recruiting expert. You follow recruiting on the side as well as being a Notre Dame football beat reporter. Could I get just your reaction to C.J. Carr, the grandson of Lloyd Carr, possibly picking Notre Dame and what it means possibly for the future of the quarterback position at Notre Dame? For the last, what, five, I don't want to say five months, but at least pretty much since the turn of the year. So maybe, maybe it has been five months. 
all we've been talking about is Dante Moore this, Dante Moore that. And look, there's still a chance that Notre Dame goes after Dante Moore, even if they land CJ Carr tomorrow night, like you were saying. But this is the type of thing that I think Notre Dame fans have been waiting for in which a top five quarterback, because that's what CJ Carr is right now. He's ranked as the number five quarterback in the class of 2024 per the on three consensus ratings commits to Notre Dame and says, yeah, Notre Dame is the school that I want to go to. He can go pretty much anywhere. I think his options are down to Georgia and LSU and of course, Michigan. So there are some really good schools on the table for CJ Carr. If he were to pick Notre Dame, I think it's the moment that people have been waiting for in which Marcus Freeman has been recruiting his tail off for Notre Dame for about a year and a half now, ever since he came on staff in January of 2021. But the thought has always been, okay, yeah, he's getting really good defensive players and, you know, some good offensive guys are coming in. But when is Notre Dame going to get that heralded quarterback? This might be that moment. And again, it's not Dante Moore, but that doesn't mean Dante Moore is, you know, out of the fold. This is kind of a point of reckoning in which Notre Dame is asserting itself in the recruiting landscape, telling all of these other schools, hey, you guys want C.J. Carr, but we can land him and we're going to bring him in and he's going to be really good for Notre Dame. And then obviously everybody knows what kind of trickle effect that has in recruiting. Notre Dame is going to keep going after, you know, the four-star quarterbacks, the top five quarterbacks, the five-star quarterbacks even because of this. So short-term, it helps in recruiting long-term. It could absolutely help Notre Dame on the field. I think if he picks Notre Dame and he comes in here in 2024, by that point, you know, Tyler Buckner might be on the way out. Notre Dame needs a succession plan. So CJ Carr might be that guy. And I think by that time, I mean, we're talking two years down the line. Uh, I, I mentioned Dante Moore. There's some of these other guys that have been connected to Notre Dame in recruiting at the quarterback position of late. I think Notre Dame is going to have options. And this is just kind of the very beginning of, the quarterback renaissance, if you will, at Notre Dame. Well, let me ask you about this Carr Moore situation from this standpoint. I asked a Twitter question of the day yesterday, and basically with Carr likely picking Notre Dame, you as a fan, does it change the urgency you have about the Irish getting Dante Moore? 67.3% said the Irish still need Dante Moore. 32.7% say this lessens the need for Dante Moore. You could argue both are good answers. I'm just wondering, Tyler, and you mentioned the succession plan. If all goes well, Tyler Buckner starts the next two years and maybe a third. Maybe after two years, he's an NFL prospect and he moves on. That kind of works perfectly into the C.J. Carr succession plan. Hey, you still want Dante Moore. He is one heck of a football player. The more great players you can have on one roster, the better. Now it's hard to manage all of them and keep them happy in the transfer portal world. But do you understand some Irish fans now saying, well, maybe this lessens the need for Dante Moore? I would side with the majority in okay. that, that Notre Dame should still go hard after Dante Moore and get Dante Moore because – at the end of the day, if you've got two guys like that and two years down the, down the line, you're having to choose between those two guys, then you're in a really good spot. If you only land one of them and maybe C.J. Carr gets hurt or he's not what you thought he was or you have all of your eggs in the C.J. Carr basket and it doesn't work out, well, that basket's not worth so much at that point. So I say bring them both in, let them duel it out, I think Notre Dame has a really competitive practice atmosphere and the best guy will win. If you have both of those guys going head to head, there's not going to be a situation where someone is favored. I don't think Tommy Reese is that kind of coach. Marcus Freeman is definitely not, not that type of coach. He's going to, you know, put the best guy in there. And I think most, you could say that about most coaches, but what you can also say about college football at this point is you want to have as many guys at every single position that you can choose from to help your football team win. And at the quarterback position, that's generally only two guys. Look at this year. Um, I know yeah. Steve Angeli might factor into this at some point, but right now if you're Notre Dame, you're saying it's either Tyler Buckner or it's Drew Pine. You've got a, a situation where you're choosing between two guys. If those two guys are Dante Moore and C.J. Carr, I think Notre Dame is in a really good spot in a couple years and probably still contending for college football playoff appearances and maybe taking that next step toward a national title. 
I love your comments. I'm just going to add this. At the end of the day, C.J. Carr and Dante Moore, today, tomorrow, next week, they have not signed on the dotted line, and until that happens, you keep <laughs> recruiting. You never know Absolutely. what can happen. Stranger things have Absolutely. happened. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I'd like to ask you about Clemson for a second. Back on the Fighting Irish schedule this year, they fell off their perch as a college football playoff team last year. Their offense struggled without Trevor Lawrence. They had a, a pretty good running back we are familiar with from the recruiting wars, Will Shipley, but the quarterback position was a major issue last year. The guy we saw take Trevor Lawrence's place, place the COVID year at Notre Dame Stadium, who looked very, very good, struggled last year. And I'm just wondering, as you look at this Clemson football team who's coming back to South Bend in November for another primetime matchup, as you look at this Clemson football team, a football team that's had some amazing quarterback play through the years, is the quarterback position a major question mark for Dabo Sweeney's team this year? I would call it a question mark. I don't know if I'm ready to call it a major question mark. And I might be in the minority of that. I think there's a lot of people out there, especially fans, especially fans who don't root for Clemson, who think that Clemson is in a really bad spot right now. I mean, everybody saw, you mentioned what DJ Uyunglele, and I think I said that right the first time. So Perfect. I'm just going to call him DJU for, from now on, on upon further references. But DJU, he came in, he did a really fine job at Notre Dame. And that was kind of a, I don't want to say it was a no-pressure situation, but he was, you know, relieving Trevor Lawrence, and the expectations weren't that high for him. He was a true freshman, I think he was at the time. Last year, obviously, took a major step back. He wasn't good by any means. The Clemson offense suffered because of that. But you have to ask, was that because of the offensive line or the things that he did or didn't have around him? I think Clemson's going to give him another shot. But we were just talking about, wanting to have options at the quarterback position and guess what Clemson does because DJU himself is a five-star <laughs> Kate Klubnik the quarterback who's coming in from Texas my home state is also a five-star you've got two five-star guys that you're choosing from right there that is exactly where every elite program wants to be sometimes five stars don't work out and we might see that with DJU and if, it, if that happens maybe Cade Klubnik is the guy that is starting against Notre Dame in November. That's late enough in the season to where I think Clemson will know who their guy is by then, and that guy will be the one starting, barring injury or anything like that. So at the end of the day, they have two five-star quarterbacks. I think one of them is going to be really good. If it's the true freshman, okay, he might be going through some growing pains, and maybe they can't win in a hostile environment like Notre Dame Stadium at night uh, in late in the season because of that. But I don't think Clemson's going to be bad by any means just because DJU struggled last year. I don't think it was all his fault. I think Clemson figures it out. They've been an elite program for about a decade now. They're going to be good. And, and that's one of the games that I'm looking forward to the most. I think everyone keeps talking about USD. We talked about USD on here before. I'm excited for that too, but don't write off this Clemson team. I, if I know anything about Dabo Sweeney, hmm. he wants to get right back to that college football playoff because that's kind of where they've belonged of late. He's Tyler Horka, Blue and Gold Illustrated, Notre Dame football beat reporter. Expectations for possible All-American Notre Dame defensive lineman Isaiah Foskey this year? Yeah, I think he's going to be really good. I think he's going to compete for that all-time single-season sack record again. He kind of, uh, you know, he was really surging toward that in the middle of last season and then tailed off at the end of last season. And I don't think he's a guy that's, really driven by individual accolades. I don't think that's why he came back. I think he came back to be a part of something really special at Notre Dame. And he is a really special football player, so he can absolutely help in, you know, whatever team accolades Notre Dame's going for. National championship, we, we hear it all the time. I don't think that goal has changed. Marcus Freeman said that's the goal. That's the goal as soon as this season. Isaiah Foskey wants to be a part of that. I think he's going to be aided by – the rest of that defensive line, too. I know two of the starters, Kurt Heinisch and Myron Tagovailoa-Mosa, are gone, but if Riley Mills is the guy that's filling in for MTA at strong side defensive end, he's a menace, man. I think he's almost 6'6", 280 pounds. That is exactly what you want in a mm -hmm. big end. Obviously, the guy replacing Foskey when he needs a breather or the packages change or anything like that, Justin Anamalola, the heck of a defensive end. He's going to get to the quarterback. 
Uh, and then you got some guys in the middle who I think are really good in Howard Cross, Jacob Lacey, obviously Jason Adamalola. There's just so many plug-and-play guys along that defensive line. That's going to go to Isaiah Foskey's benefit. And we already know what Isaiah Foskey can do. You know, if he was playing with three scrubs, which he's not, <laughs> he's still going to get his sacks. And I think he is – if I had to make a bold prediction on June 6th or 7th, whatever it is today – it's not June 8th, is it? I don't even know what day it is. If I had to make a prediction in early June, I think Isaiah Foskey gets the sack record. I think he gets at least 13 sacks. Notre Dame baseball coach Link Jarrett today announced Austin Temple will start game one of the Super Regional at Tennessee Friday at 6 o'clock. John Michael Bertrand, the ace, goes Saturday at 2 o'clock with his 2.27 ERA. Your reaction to Link going that direction with his rotation? Yeah, somebody on the message board asked me this uh, as soon as Sunday. I think it was right after they won that Texas Tech game. And John Michael Bertrand pitched 107 pitches, and that's exact. This is exactly what I told that user was. Michael Bert, John Michael Bertrand is used to going seven days, you know, without starting. Every seventh day is when he starts, or every eighth day, technically he gets seven full days off rest. So that timeline you just can't really speed it up to the point where he just pitched over 100 pitches on Sunday and you're asking him to go out there in the biggest game of the year and start five days later I think you give him that extra day so he has six full days of rest recovery rehab whatever he needs to do to get ready for Saturday and look Austin Temple's been really good go look at his numbers he's got a winning record his ERA is under four Um, he's a good strikeout guy with his off-speed stuff, his breaking ball is really good, throws a slider. It's, it's a good, uh, you know, it's, it's a different look from John Michael Bertrand, so I think it's going to throw the Tennessee batting order off a little bit. And then, look, if he does his job and Notre Dame is somehow able to steal that first game, you're throwing John Michael Bertrand, one of the best pitchers in the country, your ace, first-team All-ACC player in a – potential closeout game on Saturday. That's exactly the situation you want to be in if you're Notre Dame, where you're pitching your best guy with a chance to make it to the College World Series. And if it's the alternative, Notre Dame loses and maybe Temple doesn't pitch his best, well, you have your best pitcher with your back against the wall trying to get to a winner-take-all game three where anything can really happen. So it was the right decision by Link Jarrett to go this way. Finally, Tyler, Jared Miller looks like he's good to go, has not taken it at bat or played in the field since suffering a dislocated shoulder May 14th. Now he pinch ran over the weekend down in the Georgia Southern Georgia Southern Regional. What could the impact of Miller be on this Irish team if he plays? And what a pinch run that was, stealing third and then taking home on a wild pitch that ended up being uh, quite a decision to put yeah. him in the game. But I am a little weary of putting him in the batting order, obviously putting him at second base where he hasn't played uh, in about a month. It's going to be, you know, three, four weeks since he's done those things. But I think this is a situation where he's an older guy on this team. This might be his last shot to, you know, do something like this. And Link Jarrett has a really good relationship with all these guys. When we talked to him today and he was asked specifically about Miller, he said, I want him to play. So I don't think he's really thinking about the – the batting order stuff or what he might do in the field. I think he just wants to get his guy out there in a moment like this. And what everyone is saying is going to be probably the rowdiest super regional of, of all the eight. I think the crowd is going to be insane just because Tennessee is what it is this year. And if you do get the Jared Miller who can hit really well and can field very well, then you're bringing in one of your best players, you know, one of your nine best players back into the lineup and back into the field. So that would be huge. But I will say Jack Penny didn't do bad, the freshman that was filling in for him. Yeah. So if somehow Miller re-aggravates that or, you know, he goes over for 4 with three strikeouts and, and it's just not there, then the alternative isn't uh, a bad option for Link Jarrett. So I'm excited to see what Miller yeah. has, though. Like I said, this was a grand stage, and you want your best players playing on the big stage. Tennessee's supposed to win. Everybody believes they're going to win. They're number one in the country. The guy who had the clutch hit against Georgia Tech rounded first and told the center fielder they're number one. So I guess Notre Dame's got absolutely nothing to lose, and they got a chance to shock everybody going down to Knoxville for the Super Regional. I know, Tyler, just 
despite all of the Notre Dame football recruiting, Notre Dame football news, I know you're going to be covering baseball and folks will be able to check it out at blueandgold.com. Yeah, absolutely. We've got, you know, a whole story where I go a little deeper on the decision to pitch Austin Temple in that first game, save John Michael Bertrand. That story's already up, so you can see that. Going to have a couple uh, other features leading into that series. Uh, I think it's been awesome. The Notre Dame fans have been showing a lot of interest in baseball, and they should, rightfully so. Notre Dame has one of the three best winning percentages in the last three seasons, and you know they're trying to make it to the College World Series for just the third time in program history. All that stuff's going to be up at blueandgold.com, and then obviously a really big commitment tomorrow night. Stay mm-hmm. tuned for that. My coworker Mike Singer is going to be all over that, and. Ashton Pollard, kind of our utility player, if you will. She's covering baseball as well. She's on the recruiting side. She's doing everything. And, and Patrick Engel does a really good job, too. So go to blueandgold.com, $1 for one year. Nobody covers the Notre Dame beat like we do at blueandgold.com. And if you're a fighting Irish fan, that's where you need to be. Well said. Tyler, thanks for doing this. Greatly appreciate the visit. Let's enjoy some good baseball this weekend. We'll talk to you next Wednesday, hopefully about a team going to the College World Series. Oh, I would love that. And and look, if they make it there, I'm uh, my car is the first one on the highway headed to <laughs> Omaha. It's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite events. I can't wait. Ho- hopefully, they get it done. We'll need a Twitter feed and have all the people following you tweet out the cheapest gas price between here and Omaha to help you out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's the one that's right by my apartment based on when I just left to go to the store earlier. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hey, Tyler. Good to visit with you as always. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, Darren. Thank you so much. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, covers Notre Dame baseball for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. We'll talk sports wagering next, 628 at WSBT.